Now, do not be seated. We're going to do something. Stay where you're at. I want everyone on this side to walk out into the aisle, and I want everyone on this side to walk out into the aisle. And take a moment and just say hi to one another and love on one another for just a minute. And when Linda starts playing again, that'll be the sign to go have a seat. All right, look, go live on Linda. Oh, no, 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 no. Keep your fingers to yourself. Okay. No, 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 you don't. Listen, look, we need, you need to give Linda a big hug. All right, now let's walk out here and say hi to everybody else. Uh-huh. Okay, well, you say hi to Miss Susan, and we'll get back going again, okay? All right. All right, fire him up. Isn't it good to love on everybody every once in a while to get up and move around? Look at everybody still laughing and smiling. That's a beautiful thing. Amazing. Isabel said thank you. So thank you to everybody. Yes, Marjorie? Uh-huh. I've always enjoyed it. Most people don't like doing it because they say, well, people won't sit down. Well, if they talk and hugging on one another, let them do it for a minute. It's okay. I, I like that. It gives us a time to share. And I remember growing up, my family always liked to share things. And country music, okay, John. Oh, you had got your weekly hug from David. Well, did you get one this morning, David? Go 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 take care of John real quick. No, David said you ain't getting it. You're gonna have to wait a while. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. See, those are the laughter and the hugs and the love, that's the real thing. It's the real the real joys that we experience in life. Growing up, like I was saying, country music was big in my household. And one of the artists that uh we heard quite a bit, I guess the late seventies was a group by the name of the Gatlin Brothers, sung, led by their brother Larry Gatlin, and he had a song called All the Gold in California, and I loved that song, and if you really listen to the song, it's talking about the falsity of everything that attracts us away from our lifestyles, everything that we are not currently experiencing in our life looks a lot shinier and a lot more important than what it is that we really have, and that's kind of what I want to touch on today. Um, Remaining focused on what it is that God gave us in Christ. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. The Word of God says, 
may you may may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created these things visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers of power all things have been created through him and for him he himself is before all things and in all things hold together he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him god was pleased to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven by making peace through the blood on his, of his cross this is the word of god for people of god thanks be to god father god we come before you today and we thank you for this time that you've given us to come together and father we just ask that you send your spirit into this house today to to touch our hearts and to touch our minds father god that we may come to know you a little bit better maybe to to spend time to reflect on on what it is this great gift that you gave us through your son christ jesus and father today we just ask that you be with me to give me guidance to to empty me of the desire to speak my own will but to have me focused on you and that your spirit would fill me and lead me into the words that would be delivered to edify your church in christ's name we pray amen Colossians is one of my favorite books because it is attacking evil. And, and with my background, that's, that's what I do. We attack evil. always loved a good challenge. And what we find that's happening in Colossae is this. The Word of God ha- has gone out and it's spread throughout the world is how the Scripture references it. And what they're talking about during that time is it, it has been spread throughout the Roman Empire, which was a great deed, especially for s- such a short amount of time since the gospel had been being preached. But in Colossae, the church was established not by Paul because Paul himself had never been there and he had never taught there, but by another named Epaphras. Now, Epaphras uh, was the what we believe to be the founder of the church in that area. And he's the one who initially brought the gospel to the people and saw that the people were experiencing the transforming power of Jesus Christ in their life. But he became concerned when he saw certain things happening. And that's when he let Paul know what was going on. And Paul wrote this letter to the church. Now, what was happening was this. People, what's the best way to say this? They weren't experiencing the emotional high of religion that they wanted to experience or that they expected to experience in their religion. So other groups would come in and try to supplement the teachings of Christ. Some back in that day were known as the Gnostics, and the Gnostics had their own gospel. And just like anything else, that if you read in part, you will say that, yes, this is pretty interesting or this is pretty good. But, but when taken as a whole and understand the entire concept of, of what they're teaching, what you find is heresy. 
because they had taken from the message that salvation was by grace, but that salvation is something that was experienced through enlightenment. The more spiritual we feel, then the closer we are to God, and, and we all know that that isn't truthful, nor is it applicable. And there were other factions during that time that were trying to, to bring back legalism, one of the things that Jesus worked so hard to get rid of. If you remember, Jesus would say to the Pharisees, I didn't come to honor your tradition, but I came to fulfill the law. And what he was referring to was this. In, in, in Jewish history, during the interpretations of the scriptures in the Hebrew Bible, the Pharisees and scribes went a little further than just your normal interpretation on many things and began creating their own rules and their own laws that they would force upon the people. Like where the Word of God says to take the Sabbath and keep it holy. They took that to mean that you shouldn't work on a Sunday or the Sabbath for us, the Sabbath is Sunday. And they went to the point of, of even saying that, that on the Sabbath you can only walk so far. And anything beyond that small point would be considered a sin. And Jesus came, back, came into the world and said, no, we're taking away legalism. The law is there for our good, not for our punishment. It's there to, to give us guidelines to live by, to, to help us understand one another, to help us live in a free society, and to help us understand the revelation of God as he pronounces himself to the world. But by introducing legalism back into the system, what they were trying to do was, was stir people up emotionally so that they could look at their own personal accomplishments and say, look how well I've done. I have accomplished this stage in my walk. I must be closer to God. And none of that stuff was consistent with the gospel that was being teached about Jesus Christ. And what would happen is, is people would, would fixate on those things that, that we would call shiny objects, the things that would get our attention, the things that would make us feel like we're experiencing God, when really what we're just experiencing is a stirring in our emotions. And, you know, and the scriptures are even clear on that, about making decisions based on emotions. A person who does that is a, is a person who's like being tossed in the sea from wave to wave. They're inconsistent in their walk and their understanding of God because their decisions about life and people are based on how they feel in that moment and not based on any fact. And in my mind, to make it even more dangerous, making our decisions about how we feel about God on how we feel is damaging to our relationship. You see, God is never changing from age to age. He is consistent in his behavior, and he is consistent in his love and his mercy and his grace. And regardless of how we feel about ourselves or about society in that moment, God is always the same. And I think that what Paul was trying to do here in this letter 
to the Colossians was to remind people of who it is Christ Jesus was. So that he is the image of the invisible God. I, I, I take that passage of scripture in and, and, I, and I run it through my mind and I just I can't seem to fathom all the things that it would mean. I don't think that it means that the image of God was that of a man with two legs and, and two arms and a torso. But I think it means that when Christ came into the world, he brought with him everything that we need to know and see and understand about God. That he came with the fullness, not partial, but the fullness of God and his identity. And I think we see that first characteristic of God in the very fact that Christ came into this world. That that the God that we love and the God that we serve loved us so much that, that he left behind eternity as we think of it. Living in the presence of God in a land where, where there's no sorrow and in a land where there's no pain to enter this world for the sole purpose of saving humanity. I think the scripture says it well when it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The very image of the invisible God is a God of love and a God of sacrifice. And I think that one of the other things that, that Christ brought into the world that shows us the image of the invisible God is God's willingness and his desire to, to give us life. Time and time again, we ask ourselves, what is the meaning of life? And how do we find purpose and, and meaning in executing the life that God gave us? From a, on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that those questions become very complicated when the answer is really, truly very simple. To love God and love one another. To take the time today to, to see the person across the aisle from you and take the initiative to go over and give him a pat on the back or give him a hug, even though David didn't want to give John a hug today. Maybe he will next week. Jesus took the initiative to come into society and be part of the community in which he lived. I think that's the act of the invisible God saying to, to us as a people that I don't just want to be a God who sits up here that you admire, but I am a God who wants to be active in each and every life that I have created. And I think if we start remembering the simple things, 
then we don't have to get lost in all the glitter of everything else that the world brings to us. Because Christ is all we need. Lazarus went to the grave. And everyone assumed him to be dead. And they thought that that, that life that, that had went to the grave that they once knew was finished and done. But, but Jesus comes into the picture and he looks to the people and he asks them this question. Where is your faith? Why are you crying? Why are you mourning this loss? And they said to him, had you only been here, you could have done something. And I think that's what we say sometimes in, in our lives when, when things don't work out as quickly as we want them to or in the fashion that we want to. We think that the game's over. It's time to punch the card. It's time to sit down. It's time to, to kick back and just let life die out, die out on us. And you know what? There is a time in our life when we need to let go of things. There is a time in our life when we are holding on to things so tightly that we want it to change and we want it to be something different, but the whole time it feels like something is ripping it away from us. And I want to be honest with you. Sometimes it is God ripping it away from you. It is God trying to take from you the old thing that is standing in your way of experiencing new life. Think about this. Lazarus died, and they put him in a tomb, and they put a stone in front of his grave. No man was going in, and no man was coming out. There was a barrier that everyone would think is going to end the life of that man. And in our lives, sometimes we think that too, that, that there is a barrier that, that's bringing life to an end. We can't get it to change. But really and truly, just like Lazarus had to die, sometimes things in our lives have to die. Because if we don't let them die and we keep holding on, new life can't come forth. Lazarus had to die in order for Jesus to stand in front of that tomb to raise his hand in the midst of the crowd and say the words, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead began to walk and exited that tomb and entered life anew. And those are the invisible things that, that God does for us, things that, that, are, that we can't fathom, things that we can't put science to the test to and say, explain this to me. And Lazarus wasn't the first one that was risen from the dead. Jairus' daughter had fallen ill. And they came to Jesus and they said, Teacher, come to our house. My daughter has fallen ill. And while en route to the house, his daughter had fallen asleep. And they approached Jesus and they said, Jesus, there's no need for you to come any further because it is over. And once again, Jesus' response was, where is your faith at? Why do you think that because one thing has ended, life has come to an end? Why do you think death has taken over when I've come to give life? And he walks into the house and he takes with him, I believe it was Peter, and he takes Jairus and he takes the mother and he goes to the little girl and he puts hands on her and he says a prayer and tells her to arise from her sleep. And again, the one who was believed to be dead awoken and came back to life. So we see this over and over again throughout Scripture, how Jesus 
comes into life and, 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 and brings new life into things that are dead and dying. And that is our hope because here's what we experience when, when things in our life starts to die. We start looking for a new answer. We move away from the Word of God. We move away from His promises and we move away from His character and we start looking for the new shiny thing. We start looking for what's going to take God's place in our life to fulfill our desire and our need. Those new shiny things, these emotional highs that seem to empower us are just as fleeting as the seasons. You stand firm in your faith and let God do his work. Remember the times in your life when God was present. Remember the times in your life that the invisible God's presence was so near to you that that no matter what you encountered, you never felt alone. Remember the times in your life When God's presence was so active that he moved stones so that you could have passage to life. You see, we're not just people. And we're not just beings that populate this earth. We are God's creation. And we are his children. And a father will go to a great extent to care for and provide for the ones that he loves. One of the other transformations that God did in our lives was this. He rescued us. If we can take our minds for a moment all from our material concerns and think a little more heavenly about our relationship and what Christ has done for us, then we will know that the words that Paul spoke here are more true today probably more so than it was before the time of Christ. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. One of the other translations uses the word conveyed here. That we were conveyed from the power of darkness into the kingdom of of his beloved son. And the word conveyed had special meaning in the ancient times. It was a word that was used in the military and the, and the government format. If a, a military invaded a country or a town and they took over that nation or that town, 
they would take the people out of that area and they would transfer them from their home, from their, from their current place, into the kingdom that their government already ruled. And that's what Paul is pointing out to us here is the important message of this, that, that when Christ came into the world and he died on the cross, that it was something more than symbolic but that it was a spiritual battle that not only took place, but a spiritual battle where Christ won the victory. You see, when we were conveyed from darkness, we were taken away from the guilt of sin, that we don't have to carry that burden, that we live our life under the forgiveness of God without condemnation. And we are taken from that land of darkness where Satan has has power and rule and transport us into the kingdom of God where we live in the light of his Son, live in the truth of his word so long as we remember. Everything was created with Christ and for Christ from the very beginning. Many think that that Christ didn't come into the picture until that day in Bethlehem when, when he was born into this world. The scripture is clear that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God that in the very beginning of creation, Christ himself was already present among us. And it was through God's great pleasure that through him we were created. And we as Christians are bound together by the blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary. And because of that sacrifice, we are a people who are secure in our future. Romans says that once the sheep are placed into the hands of the Father, no man, no power, No demon and no principality has the authority to remove them from the hand of God. So as Thanksgiving approaches, remember not just the wonderful things that God has done for us in this life. And don't be taken in by the shiny teachings of what this world has to offer but hold fast to God's words and God's promise of life abundant and life eternal. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and again as we prepare to close the service. Help us to remember during this time of thanksgiving all the mighty things that you have done in our lives, all the times that that we thought death was approaching, but, but new life sprang forward. 
Help us to let go, Father God, of, of those things that are holding us down. Help us to bring our burden to the cross, to, to set them down, leave them in your care, to stand up, hands off, and walk away in victory, knowing that, that this life belongs to you. And that through Christ, you have given us everything we need to know you, to experience you, and to live out this wonderful life that you've given us. Help us to clean tie to the family of believers as we cling to the cross at Calvary. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. From our God who loves us with an everlasting love, who brings forth a new creation in Christ, who leads us by the Spirit in the wilderness, grace and abundant mercy be with you all. Amen.